but worth a thousand words. Scripture comes out of the first chapter of John's Gospel. Verse 12 and 13, 14, 15, and 16. Yet to all who received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, not of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 16. From the fullness of His grace, we've all received one blessing after another. When I was an eight-year-old boy growing up in Bethel Baptist Church, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior on a Sunday morning just like this. I sat at the very back of the service because God had been working with me by His Holy Spirit and I didn't want to publicly go down because I was too ashamed I might cry. And I have to be honest, when the invitation was given that morning, if there's someone here that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ, that's never accepted the Lord as their personal Savior, if you would come and make that public decision today, God will be with you the rest of your life. I gripped that pew and I felt like people, somebody poured semen in my shoes. But as an eight-year-old boy, once I took that step, it's almost like I ran down the aisle. And you say, well, why do you ask people to make a public decision, Brother Jerry, as a pastor? Why do you do that? Simple, out of Matthew, the 10th chapter. He who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But he who disowns me before men, I will disown before my Father in heaven. I didn't understand all there was to understand about being a Christian. I had no clue about salvation except that I knew I was a sinner in need of a Savior. I grew up in a Christian home. My grandparents and great-grandparents were Baptist missionaries. My great-granddaddy, Harley Smith, left Walnut Springs, 1922, and went to South America, Brazil, and spent 47 years there with my grandmother, Alice Bagby, who was born in Brazil because her mother and dad left in 1880 from McLennan County to go to Brazil as Baptist missionaries. My great-grandmother, Ann Luther, her daddy, sailed to Galveston on a boat and helped move a little-known college called Baylor Female College from down in Independence, Texas to what now is University of Mary Hardin Baylor in Belton. You say, well, you couldn't have been anything else but a Christian. No. Yes, I'm fortunate I had a Christian family. I'm fortunate I was raised, my maternal grandparents were devout Christians, raised in a Christian home, folks. But I want to share something with you. As an eight-year-old boy, I knew I was a sinner in need of a Savior. I don't know about you, nobody had to teach me how to do bad or wrong. I got it natural. I did, and some of you did too. All of you did, quite frankly. And I just knew... When I was convicted in my heart that I'd made a bad decision and was doing wrong things, the only way I was going to get rid of that was to receive God's forgiveness. And I believe Jesus died on a cross for my sins. It's that simple. I believe that He suffered and died on a cross for me, an eight-year-old boy, 
who was apart and separated from God and they wanted to offer me that forgiveness. Did I come from a perfect family? I said they were missionaries and preachers. No, we're all sinners. The Smiths, the Bagbys, the Painters, we're all sinners. Every one of us are sinners. All of us in need of a Savior. Hear the text beginning that I read first. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. In the early service, I had a young man hand me a bulletin. He said, here's a words of a hymn that will go with your sermon. It's a hymn that I know, we just didn't sing it. Above all powers, above all kings, above all nature and above created things, above all wisdom and all the ways of man, he was here before the world began. Above all kingdoms, above all thrones, above all wonders the world has ever known, above all wealth and treasures of the earth, there is no way to measure what you're worth. Did you know God loves you with an everlasting love? You see, I, I came to believe, came to understand that God doesn't just forgive our sins. He's been revealing Himself through general revelation. I showed you all of those slides for one purpose. God has always been revealing Himself to all mankind across the earth. If you can't see it in His handiwork, I don't know how else you can see it. It's so evident. You say, well, I believe in evolution, Brother Jerry. Listen to me, folks. The Bible has never put a time frame on God's ability to create. Man does that. It has never bothered me that the dinosaurs recreated. And it may have been 5 billion, 10 billion, whatever, 100 million years ago. What bothers me is when men cannot see the revelation of God right before their eyes. Every day. That's what bothers me. You see, I wake up every day with God's glory, new every morning. I see His handiwork all around. I set in awe of how a spider can start a web over here and go all the way over here and raise that thing up in the air and weave it around. I'm just awed by that. I'm awed by how the sun comes up every morning, how the earth rotates on its axis, how I can go outside in the middle of the night. And I learned as a young boy in Cub Scouts long before I knew anything about it that you could take the two ends of the Big Dipper and line them up and it would point to the North Star in the handle of the Little Dipper. You see, I see God everywhere I turn. I see Him working, not just in nature, but in people's lives. See, I can look out here and I can start telling stories about each one of you that I know how God has worked. See, my friend Todd King is sitting right here. And he survived a bomb blast over in Afghanistan years ago. And he's sitting here with a beautiful family. Not only that, he survived the car wreck, train wreck, the float wreck out in Midland, Odessa, trying to honor veterans when people right in front of him were killed. See, I could go down the, the list and I could tell you about each person here that I know as a pastor and how God has worked in their life. You see, God forgives our sins and he's all for us, folks. Two men try to prove God wrong. Well, there's been more than two men try to prove God wrong, but there's two men you may know of. One of them's name was Cly Staples Lewis, academician, novelist, 
master in English literature, medieval literature, Renaissance literature, taught at Oxford University 29 years. He had a beef with God. He couldn't understand why God could be good and loving and there could be suffering in the world. And so he set out to try to disprove God and try to disprove that Jesus was just a hoax created by the early disciples and everybody had swallowed it hook, line, and sinker, that there was no resurrection. And you know what happened after he studied that for a while? He began to look. God began to do a work in his life. And he wrote a book in 1952 called Mere Christianity that's one of the best apologetic works that's ever been written on the defense of the gospel and the cross and the resurrection. And to this day, his children's literature, the Chronicles of Narnia, is used around the world in multiple languages on different social platforms through CDs and movie pictures and everything to teach us as people about the love and the grace of God and the sacrifice that Jesus gave for us. There's another man you may not be familiar with. He was a devout atheist. His name was Lee Strobel. And he tried to write a book to destroy the Christian faith. It was his goal to set out to disprove Christianity, to disprove the resurrection, to disprove the cross. And he used scientific and historical methods. And after 18 months, he came to accept Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. The book he wrote, The Case for Christ. I'd recommend it to anybody that's here that has all kinds of doubts and wonders about the Christian faith. But maybe his words from his five-year-old daughter Allison say it best. Hear what she said. He states that his five-year-old daughter Allison went up to her mommy, his wife, and said... I want God to do for me what he's done for daddy. Here was a little girl who had only known her daddy as profane and angry and verbally harsh and all too often an absentee father. And although she had never analyzed the data or investigated the historical evidence, she had seen up close the influence that Jesus can have on one person's life. In effect, she was saying, if this is what God does for a person to change them, I want the Lord Jesus, God, to change me like he changed my daddy. Lee Strobel says, looking back nearly two decades now, I see that with clarity the day I personally made a decision to believe and receive Jesus Christ was the most pivotal event in my entire life. See, I believe Jesus loves me with an everlasting love, and he loves you with an everlasting love, and he has our best interest in mind. Now, if I'm... I haven't always believed that. Sometimes the old flesh is strong and sometimes we want to do what we want to do and we want to go our own way. Is that not true? But I believe when we fully trust him, he has our best interests in mind. Even when at times I don't understand why things happen and I can't explain I cannot explain the mystery of, and I don't understand fully, and sometimes I can find no sense in them. Yet I know He loves me, and He knows what is best, even when trial and heartache may come my way, and it has come my way, folks. Eight-year-old boy, 66 now, do the math. I've been becoming a child of God since I was eight years old. God has been doing a work in me, Psalm 34, 18 says, He is close to the brokenhearted and He saves those who are crushed in spirit. My mom and dad divorced when I was five. I know the heartbreak of divorce. 
I spent 13 years of my life from 5 to age 18 before I could settle things with my father and ask for forgiveness for being angry at him all those years and to see him do a work in me through Christ. One of the most humbling experiences of my life was to sit on the bed while my father knelt at the bed and asked for forgiveness for the divorce to me. God has our best interests in mind. I also believe Jesus can comfort us in all of our sorrows and help us through our trials. Lewis couldn't, un he couldn't explain the suffering. He didn't understand why God is so powerful and so good and so beneficial. Why couldn't he just stop all suffering? I want to tell you, I've wrestled with that all of my life. God, why do you let little children die of starvation? Why, why do tragedies happen? Why do people who are innocent get killed in tragic car wrecks by somebody that's guilty? Why do people go off to war and they fight for our freedom and they live and do what they are doing to honor the Lord and our country and they give their lives on the battlefield and then they come home and they're shown disrespect? Why do police officers go out every day of the world trying to keep us safe? And what the news never reports, folks, is the millions of times police officers do the right thing for the right reason and prevent tragedy. All the news media ever sees is when they make split decisions and they do wrong. But I believe Jesus can comfort us in all of our sorrows and help us through our trials. I believe that with all my heart because I've already buried, most of you know, I've buried three of my younger siblings and 41, 42 family members across my ministry. I buried a young brother from a tragic car wreck, and 10 days later I did my granddad Harley Smith's funeral. You see, at my brother's funeral, I was so close to him because he's like a son to me. I could not preach his service. He's one of the few family members I couldn't preach the service. It just tore me up too much. 17 years old, he's supposed to go deer hunting with me. The week after he was killed, he was coming down to look at Baylor and MCC. He was going to stay with Brenda and I, yet he didn't make it. I did write out his sermon, though, and the scripture I used is if we live to the Lord, if we die, we die to the Lord. If we live to the Lord, if we live, we live to the Lord. Whether we live or die, we are the Lord. That's Romans 14, 7 and 8. Flew to Florida and did my father's service. Three years ago now. Three weeks later, did my oldest sister's service, and I'm the oldest of seven. Did my brother Paul's service 2005. At age 45, he was. You see, I could go down the list, and I can tell you all about heartache and trial and difficulty, but I can also tell you that the glass is always full and running over that he comforts us in our sorrows. He is the Father of all compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our trials and difficulties for this purpose so that we in turn can comfort others as we ourselves have been comforted. I believe I'll live with him for eternity. Romans 8, 35-39 is my favorite passage. John three sixteen. I have no... No doubt that he's going to save me and nothing can separate me from his love. Now, I've had doubts in my life before about my faith. I'd be honest with you. 
There's times when I've been through heartache and trial and difficulty, and sometimes when I've done myself in by my own sins, I've wondered if God knew my name and where I was and whether he was answering any prayers at all. But you know what? I've come to believe that whatever pain touches me has already passed through the heart of God. Hear me. Whatever pain God allows to touch me has already passed through his heart because he loves me and has my best interests in mind and nothing can separate me from his love. Nothing in this world or nothing in the next one. Verse 16, hear it. From the fullness of his grace we have received one blessing after another. <laughs> I could tell you one blessing after another for the rest of the day. If you didn't see it in the slides, folks, you didn't get it. Every day we wake up, every day we live, God has one blessing after another, after another, after another, after another for all of us. We just don't always see it. His glories defy all of evil and suffering and pain in our world. Our God is a gracious, all-powerful God. We can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens us. I believe that. Even face death. In all of this, I'm still becoming his child. That's what I said at the beginning. Believe, receive, become. I'm still trying to learn how to figure out what all he's got for me. What all is mine in his kingdom. What all the heritage is that I have. What all the faith that he gives me. The joy, the love, the kindness, the grace, the mercy, the tenderness that he wants me to have. Do you know him this morning? What will you do with Jesus today? Will you believe on him? Will you receive him as your Lord and Savior? And will you become one of his children today? And enjoy the full measure of his grace and mercy and tenderness, receiving one blessing after another. Paul says it like this. The word is near you. It is in your mouth, in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Why not receive him today and start seeing one blessing after another, after another, after another, after another, after another? Why not? The choice is yours. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these dear people that have come to celebrate your resurrection day. We thank you for the love of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. We thank you for the power of him overcoming sin and death, hell and the grave to give us life eternal, to fill us with your Holy Spirit and to help us live daily in obedience to your word. Father, we thank you that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And you showed your love to us through Jesus and all the words he left behind for us to follow. Father, there's someone here today that doesn't know you. May they come to know you during this time of invitation. And because you live, Father, may they live. In Jesus' name, amen. Our hymn of invitation is 407, Because He Lives. Would you stand? I'll be here at the front to receive you. If there's a decision you'd like to make, 